believe that habits, for most people, for habits to be long-lasting, there has to be an intrinsic connection to that behavior. There has to be something very purposeful, or, or as we talk about, you know, the why. We are going on a walk today with Baker Harrell. Baker has a PhD in health education from University of Texas, and he is the founder and former CEO of the nonprofit organization, It's Time Texas. Baker has an incredibly motivating story. He will inspire you as he tells you in this podcast on our walk about how he overcame childhood obesity growing up in rural Mississippi and really what led him to start a movement to help improve the health and the lives of Texans. So you're going to definitely be inspired by this one. And he's also gonna really dig into what he believes is the most important thing when it comes to sustaining good health behaviors. I hope you enjoy it as much as I enjoyed recording it. And I hope you'll share this with someone that may need to hear this message. Um, All right, let's go out for a walk. I'm out on a walk today with Baker Harold, and I'm very excited to get to talk to my friend and just explore some ideas around health for you, Baker. Welcome. Hey, Lacey. Thank you so much for letting me be part of your exciting new podcast. Um, (laughs) Great to be out on a walk with my buddy. Yes. Um, I've gotten to know you over the last several years through the work that you were doing with It's Time Texas and I've heard you speak a couple of times, and your story is very, very powerful in how you ended up building this movement. So I thought it would be really great if you could kind of start out by telling the folks that are on a walk with us today, where did it all start? Yeah, well, that's obviously a long story because I'm old now, Um, but I'll uh, (laughs) I'll try to do my best to, to give you and your listeners the abridged version. So I grew up in a small town called Canton in Mississippi, uh, very rural, um, you know, cut off from a lot of things. You know, my my joke when I talk about my story was that, you know, Canton had a Piggly Wiggly and a Dairy Queen, and uh, we were proud. We were very proud of the, those two institutions. Um, there just yes. wasn't wasn't a lot there, you know, and I, I uh, was born in 76, so uh, proud Gen Xer, and, you know, it was really our generation that ushered in what we now refer to as the obesity epidemic and the, the diabetes epidemic that's um, following behind, um, and it was really this sort of perfect storm of societal changes. You know, we uh, in the in the 70s, but particularly in the mid to late 70s, really saw, saw this confluence of uh, fast food and processed food, um, you know, more and more sugar-sweetened beverages. So a lot of, you know, salt, sugar, fat, uh, empty calories in the diet. Um, we also had the emergence of cable TV and video games and home video games. And so uh, there were a lot more um, opportunities for sedentary activity. We saw, you know, the, the, in a lot of ways, it became more normative for um, parents to be single family. And so we had a lot of latchkey kids in the late 70s and early 80s as a result of divorce 
and people deciding to, to parent as a single parent. Um, we also had a lot of uh, dual income households as women entered the workforce in larger and larger numbers. And so kids were more and more responsible for kind of taking care of themselves and in some ways kind of parenting themselves. And we had the rise of suburbia. So people lived further and further away from their jobs, the schools. So people uh, were, were driving to drop their kids off to school or kids were taking buses. They weren't walking, riding, you know, riding their bikes. So it was really this, just this um, massive societal shift towards really engineering health, physical activity, good nutrition, good mental health um, out of our daily lives. And, you know, as a result, we as a country became um, thicker. Um, we became less active. We became more overweight. Um, and this is really when we started to see the emergence of preventable chronic disease at a population level across the country. I'm going down a hill, so... <laughs> I may uh, start to breathe a little heavier as I come down the hill and start to go up a hill. But, um, All right. <laughs> yeah, so so I was, you know, on that early wave of the childhood obesity epidemic. Around the age of seven, I became uh, overweight as a kid. And, um, you know, I just, like a lot of um, people, but especially young children who struggle with their weight, you know, it becomes this sort of vicious cycle where um, you start to turn to food uh, as, a, as a salve for the struggles that you face because of your weight. And so, you know, I was picked on um, quite a bit as a kid, um, and I really didn't enjoy going to school um, because I knew that I was going to be made fun of or looked down upon. And so I was just really, I mean, looking back on it, I was, I was a really, really sad kid and, and, and very alone. And I did a pretty good job of hiding it from my parents. I have amazing parents, very loving parents. But like all parents then, you know, they, they really didn't understand that what they were feeding us, feeding me and my sister, was making us sick, you know, really bad for our health. Yes. And so uh, my my goal in life uh, at that point in time was just to not have to wear husky jeans. And I know that sounds crazy because most kids' <laughs> goals in life, you know, when they're 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, it's to become a fireman or uh, a doctor or a lawyer or you name it. And um, I wasn't thinking about the future. It was really about survival for me. And so, you know, husky jeans were the bane of my existence because wearing husky jeans was like having uh, the the label of fat kid, quote unquote. I don't like that term, but I'm, I'm using it in air quotes, um, you know, uh, plastered across your bottom. And so uh, I'd, I'd ended my fifth grade year and I'd outgrown all my clothes and my mom said, um, okay, son, we've, we've got to get some new jeans for you. Can't wear any of your clothes anymore. Hated shopping, of course, because it meant I had to stand in front of a mirror and stare down, you know, my reality. And mm-hmm. um, uh, the, the nice sales lady uh, met us 
um, in the, the mall and my mom said, my son needs uh, jeans. And she looked me up and down, took me straight to the Husky section. And I told her, um, I'm sorry, you're mistaken. <laughs> I don't need Husky jeans. And she kind of, you know, looked at me out of the side of her eye and took me to uh, the quote unquote normal jeans section for, for young boys. Anyway, uh, yeah. she hands me the largest size that she has. And I go back into the dressing room. And about 10 minutes later, my mom is just in a total panic and is screaming my name. And I, I let her know that I'm in the dressing room. She thought I had wandered out of the dressing room and gotten lost. Mm-hmm. And so she opens the door and I'm in the corner uh, crying. And it's the first time that my mom really saw how much I struggled, I, I suffered uh, from being overweight. And so being the amazing woman, mother that, that she is, um, she asked me, of course, what was wrong. And I told her, you know, that I just, I didn't want to live this way anymore. And I said, mom, I, I think that means that we can't live this way anymore as a family. I don't want to be like this. And, and I need help. And instead of saying what, you know, I would have probably said in her situation, Hey, your, your body's going through a lot of changes. You're, you know, a beautiful young man. You got your whole life ahead of you. Uh, I love you, et cetera. She mm-hmm. said, okay, all right, son. Um, but if you're going to do this, if you're going to, if you're going to commit to this, you're going to be the leader of this for our entire family. And I me cold chills. <laughs> in that moment, I mean, it yeah. was so, it was so brilliant. It was so perceptive. I mean, it was really the mm-hmm. moment in my life when I recognized how, deeply my mother not only loved me but really understood me because she mm-hmm. knew what would motivate me she knew that if she said okay well you know I'll help you start to exercise more or I can work on you know healthy food then I wouldn't likely have been as successful you going needed up to need that change yeah I needed a cause I needed for the, my change to be bigger than me. I needed for something, something that is typically seen as pretty extrinsic, what we look like, right? how much body fat we have, et cetera. Um, something that is very extrinsic to be intrinsic. And that's the kind of motivation that I would need mm-hmm. to stay with this and, and be committed to it. So um, that summer, I woke up every morning, 6 a.m., and I started walking. My family started exercising. My mom started to experiment with healthy recipes. You know, again, we had Piggly Wiggly and Dairy Queen, right? (laughs) Right. There was no Whole Foods. Um, We didn't have access to trainers and dietitians, and so... We really did it as a family. And um, the really cool thing that happened was that our change became infectious. People started to ask what we were doing, why we were doing it. 
I had older men asking me in the neighborhood to design a workout program for them. You wow. Know, I had yes. no idea what I was doing, right? But but it was so reaffirming, you know, and yes. so so I went from being a pretty average student because I I hate I love to learn. I, I read all the time, but I hated going to school. Mm-hmm. And I went from being a pretty average student to being, you know, a, a straight A student and then actually going on to um, a really prestigious school in Mississippi because mm-hmm. all of a sudden I cared about my future. And and so what happened was I just became obsessed with uh, the why. Mm-hmm. Why was my family like that? Why was... Why did we not value health? Why did my community not value health? Why was this not a value shared by people and communities across our country? And as I began to study it more, I realized, oh, there is, there's this whole societal shift that's happening. And, you know, I was just one of the many canaries in the coal mine. And, if I if I want to try to prevent what happened to me from continuing to happen, if I want to ultimately be part of the solution, I not only need to understand health, but I need to understand social change. And yes. and so I just became fascinated with civil civil rights movements, social movements more broadly, but. Growing up in Mississippi, I learned a tremendous amount and daily saw the the effects of the civil rights movement as one example. Wow. And so, yeah, it was really a, a combination of um, all these things that resulted in me you know, really committing my life to service and service um, in the form of helping people not only take control of their health, but really being an advocate and in some ways an activist for the health of others. Yes. Well, you've certainly done that, Baker. I mean, it's just so inspiring to me. You know, I was a part of several of the conferences that you put together, um, the Healthier Texas Summit that happened and was at the one where you got to introduce the Surgeon General of our country. I mean, to go from where yeah. you started in Mississippi, you know, struggling yeah. with your own weight to to where you, you know, have come is just an astounding and very motivating story. I know you walk on a regular basis, right? That's one of your normal yep. forms of physical activity. Um, for it. people out on a walk with us, like, what do you do? And do you have any strategies for people for sustainable, healthy changes that we can make in our lives? Yeah, so I walk about five times a week. Um, it is my primary form of exercise and activity, uh, mental health as well. Um, and, you know, I used to be a big runner. I was a triathlete and had a, had a bad injury, uh, ruptured my L4, L5. And so I can no longer run, but I'm still able to get out, get my vitamin D, um, be one with nature. And I just love exploring um, different areas around my home, my neighborhood, my community. 
so for me, it is. It's so meditative. You know, it's where I do my my real thinking, um, my introspection, uh, my self check. You know, um, and it's where I just really allow myself um, to remain in touch with what makes me human, uh, what keeps me fueled throughout my day, um, and what makes me ultimately feel alive and connected to everything around me. I mean, you know, I've always looked at health as really the ultimate expression of love, um, loving oneself and loving others. You know, I, um, I'm committed to my health not only because of me and because of everyone that I've inspired to start their own health journey, but because I have a family. I have a wife, I have two young children, and they deserve uh, a husband and a father that is as healthy as he can be. Mm-hmm. So it is an expression of love to them. Um, oh, I love when that. I, when I go out for a walk or yes. when I make a conscious choice to do something that I know is good for my well-being. And, you know, um, you mentioned the Healthier Texas Summit being a, a place where you've made great connections. And, you know, in our highly polarized, highly segmented, segregated world, um, mm-hmm. there are just so few things that bring people together. People of different faiths and races and backgrounds, political views, etc. And I think health is really one of the few remaining institutions, practices, concepts, where people can congregate, people can come together, people can love one another and love themselves through uh, a shared uh, love for or excitement for, passion for health. Yeah. And so I, I think it's a great healer, not just, you know, one's own physical health, but one's spiritual, um, mental, and broader connection to society. It, it really is a great healer. And so I, um, I would just encourage people to try to, think less about how fast they're going, how many steps they took, uh, their, their body composition. All those things are important, but they're extrinsic and not intrinsic. And I believe that habits, for most people, for habits to be long-lasting, there has to be an intrinsic connection to that behavior. There has to be something very purposeful or, or as we talk about, you know, the, the why there has mm-hmm. to be something deeper, a deeper connection to that behavior. It has to mean more than the simple practice of it. My walk yes. with you is about being connected to you and loving you as my friend. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not about my heart rate. It's, right. It, it can be about that, but, but it can be about both things at once. And so yes. I, I really think that um, in my experience, you know, my years of working in this field and seeing a lot of different people start their journey and 
and and stop their journey and restart their journey. And that's been an experience of mine as well. The people who are long have long term success. The people who have a deep connection and deep understanding of health as a gateway to a bigger, better life. Health as mm-hmm. a way of connecting with themselves and with others. And ultimately, I think that it's about love. It's about yes. loving yourself, finding yourself, revealing yourself, and wanting to love others through the behavior of engaging in healthy activity, healthy behaviors. That is so beautifully said, Baker. Uh, one of my very favorite indoor cycling instructors, I do a lot of indoor yeah. cycling, especially during the pandemic. I have a Peloton, I call it, my big Peloton <laughs> bike that I ride. But one of my instructors one day, this really hit me hard. She said, you can't hate yourself into better health. You have to do it as an act of love every day yeah. when you get on this bike. You're doing this because you love yourself enough to take this time. And I, I really, I really love that. And I love how you said that. Um, it is an act of love. So, um, man, it's been so great spending this time with you. And I definitely think we need to schedule another conversation because there's so much to explore, um, you know, as, as far as topics around health. And you're just such a wealth of information. So, I hope you'll go on another walk with me again someday soon. I, I will walk with you anytime you'd like to go for a walk, Lacey. Awesome. Thank you for thank you for inspiring me and countless others and for just being a beacon of love. Um Aww. it's it truly it's um thank it's you. so evident in everything that you do that you have such a deep passion for, a deep love for people and that's why you're so effective and it's just an honor to call you my friend. Oh, well, thank you so much. And I'll look forward to our next walk, Baker. And I hope you have a a great rest of your weekend. Thank you. You too. Talk soon. Okay. Okay. Bye. Thanks so much for going on this walk with us today. I hope something that was said will inspire you to keep moving every day this week. If you want to share your why with me, I would love to hear from you. Please feel free to email me at wellness at ers.texas.gov. And if you want to learn more about your benefits available through the health plan, go to ers.texas.gov wellness. We've got tons of great resources to help you improve your health and quality of life. Thank you, and I will see you on a future walk.